Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley with the biggest stories of the day. It's the Big Three at Three. Number one. All right, the breaking news of the day, by the way, Adam Spolane, he is in the building as Clint is out today. Uh, our guy Jake is holding down on ones and twos as Tyler is out as well. But the big news of the day, uh, Cardinals and former Houston Texan defensive tackle, defensive lineman J.J. Watt announces this will be his final season. This is uh, how it sounded earlier today. We actually have breaking news right here on First Take. Arizona Cardinals defensive end J.J. Watt hinted in a social media post on Tuesday that he may retire at the end of the season. In a tweet in which he was holding his son, the five-time Pro Bowler wrote, Koa's first ever NFL game, my last ever NFL home game, his wife gave birth in October. He said, my heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. The Cardinals have two games remaining at the Falcons on New York on New Year's Day and at the Niners on January 8th. He was once one of the most feared defenders in the league. He won AP Defensive Player of the Year award three times he's led the league and sacks twice and he has 111 and a half for his career all right that is a courtesy of espn on first take earlier today uh jj watt um he is a houston texan forget whatever the hell this was the last uh two years uh, a bad decision <laughs> clearly he had that was the thing man before we get to his career wasn't that crazy we were thinking like all the places that he could have gone I know Green Bay was one that was kicked around and thinking about where they've been the last two years. Now, they've stunk it up this year when they had some some issues, but they were a Super Bowl contender last year. Uh, you thought like he had his kind of his choice and was going to go somewhere where he could have a real shot at winning the championship. And what we see is they went to the playoffs last year. He was injured uh, again, but he went from a mess here that has become a huge mess there and the big thing that he talked about was the quarterback, and that has been a, a, a problematic. He'll, uh, his whole his whole uh, contract was was wild in the offseason, and now he's injured. So uh, uh, really unfortunate how his career had to end in Arizona. Yeah, and they said on, on first take, once feared, he still is feared. And just watching He that, was making plays the other night. Yeah, uh, he was the best player on the field for Arizona on Sunday, and I, I thought he was he might be one of the biggest free agents out there. You know, if if he had decided to continue to play, so it's it's a loss for the league because he could have helped the team next year. But I give him credit for knowing when to get out and getting out at the right time, getting out just right after his son is born, and it, you kind of just juxtapose juxta, uh, the, the juxtaposition with Tom Brady, who just won't leave. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, he he he, he re- refuses to leave. I just think Tom doesn't want to go home and really deal with with things. But whatever. But but to JJ. You know he had the he had the heart scare yeah. earlier this year. I that's the that's the part here. There's a lot here, but that part there, which you brought up, him getting out. I am glad for JJ. Like, listen, you're not on a team right now, and do you want? How long do you want to chase this 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 success? Because it it does. It sucks that JJ Watt, as great as he is, didn't get to have the moment that Aaron Donald had mm-hmm. last year. Aaron Donald's played in two Super Bowls, but Aaron Donald was put in a moment last year because the team surrounded him, got him to a Super Bowl, and he made big plays to kind of end that thing. And it's a shame we don't even, hell, we didn't even get to see him play in a, in a championship game, in an AFC or NFC championship game. It's a shame. But get out, man. He's had injury. I can't remember the last 
What was the last season he didn't have an injury? Yet? Even that, the even the last year here, yeah, he got yeah, hurt yeah. early and, and came back for the. It was an, an incredible comeback the way that yeah, he came yeah. back so early 19, from the pectoral. The year, the pectoral thing. yeah, I think nineteen. He had like sixteen sacks, and, and him and, and, and Clowney probably had their best tandem that year. That was probably the last time well, Clowney was gone by then. So eighteen, I think eighteen. Was, then yeah, eighteen, right, I think yeah, he was right. healthy all of eighteen because seventeen yeah. he got hurt, sixteen he got hurt, fifteen I think he was healthy for that season. Yeah. It, just really after those first four or five years, just the body kind of just betrayed him. But again, that, that's why it's such it, that's a hard position to play. And yeah. he just I don't blame him for not wanting to put himself no, through I, it anymore. I, I, I'm with him, man. I'm with like I would I wouldn't get I wouldn't be down on him if he wanted to go and chase a ring. But still, like to me, I'm like man, like it's it's over. And and he's going to have a lot of opportunities to do something outside of this. I, I mean. I don't know if he wants to call games. I'm not sure what exactly he wants to do, but he's going to have a lot of opportunities. He's a well-liked guy, obviously a cachet of being a first battle Hall of Famer, which he damn sure better be um, and will be. So there's a lot There's a lot there. There was something interesting that I think you brought up before the show in terms of like what the Texans maybe should think about doing with him moving forward. Yeah, I mean, they have the ring of honor. Obviously, well, they, he'll they, go there, yeah. but they just need to get him involved in the organization. Yeah. And and you see it with Andre Johnson. They've really done a good job of making him part of the team, and you see him out a lot. I think they need to make sure they have that with Watt because they need Watt part of the organization. Just That's how much that he meant to the franchise, and the more he's around, the better I think it is for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with it. They need him. They need him to be around. I don't know. I, listen, I don't know if he needs to be Jeff Bagwell and in, in the. <laughs> you don't want to be the, the general hey, manager. Hey, they, need, they might need a new GM. <laughs> they might need a new GM. I don't want it, but you do want your great players like him, uh, like Andre Johnson, like D'Amico Ryan's, to be around this organization. And, and by somebody Living just brought up, Ryan. Uh, he was healthy the entire 2020 season, but 2020 season. Oh uh, yeah, I mean that was yeah that that was that was a weird year. So, J.J. Watt, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, any person uh, that doesn't vote for him to be in the Hall of Famer, like that one person who didn't vote for Derek Jeter, I just assume these are people who don't put out cookies for Santa Claus. They never did as kids. Just just bad people. Those are evil people right there. You put out cookies when you're a kid. You know? I'm Jewish. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, JJ Watt, <laughs> we st- we still eat cookies. <laughs> True, JJ Watt retired. Big three and three, number two. All right, the Rockets. Uh, they uh, they snapped their five game losing streak. They win in Chicago, get a road win, one thirty three, one eighteen, and the Bulls are starting to play a, a lot better here of late. Uh, but they had six guys in double figures, led by. A player that you need to own. I don't know why you hate Kevin Porter. Who, me? I, yes, I don't know why. I've never said that I before. don't know why. It feels, I don't know, man. I, it feels, it feels, we had a conversation at, at Lopez's, and man, it feels like you just, you're just over, over Kevin Porter. I don't, I don't know why, but 36, seven rebounds and nine assists last night, leading the way uh, as they get a big win last night against the Bulls. I just think you just need to own it. I don't that, know why you don't like That it. might have been their best game of the year. Uh, Chicago had been playing well. They had won three in a row all on the road going into that game. And really, they play, the Rockets played a full 48-minute game last night. I know the Bulls went on that big run, but uncharacter, uncharacteristically, they were just making threes. And that's, yeah, not a, that's not a Bulls team that makes threes. That, that They take the fewest number of threes in the entire NBA, so they got hot from deep. But the Rockets absorbed that run. 
They started the second half on, a, a, I think it was a 17-1 run that they had at one point in the third quarter. Uh, you saw the three young guys really play well with Porter, Green, Shingun. All three of those guys played terrific games. Yeah, I was going to I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm trying to be patient with Jabari because I, that's, that's what you have mm-hmm. to do. But but no, I mean, I, I think they, uh, they looked really good last night. And... Uh, defensively, I know 118 doesn't look like it, but defensively when they're they needed fast. to. They, yeah, when they, they, there's going to be a lot of possessions. But defensively, they played a lot better. Real, real quick, what's the, if the, the point, the one thing for you, you said this may be their best performance uh, of, of the year. If you point to one thing, what, what, what was it about last night? Then? I just thought it was the way that they ran the offense, where they were getting good shots every time down. They were decisive with everything that they did on that end of the floor. And sometimes you can see them hesitate. And the big thing for me was early on, Jalen Green's three-point shot has been terrible, really, for the last month. He's been at 20% from three. He came down. His first two shots were threes. Caught it, didn't hesitate, took the shot. He made it, and that gave him a ton of confidence moving forward. And I think with with young teams, and this team especially, the, the three ball hasn't been falling for them. So they'll hesitate on that shot, and they won't take it. You want them to take those looks. If you have a look from three, a good look from three, take it every single time. If you miss it, who cares? Take the next one. That's the thing I've been preaching with the Rockets all year. Is and it, and they're a young team, so you have to get used to it. Is they just know they just nowhere near come out with that level of consistency in how they play game in and game out. And that, and that you generally you know expect that with young teams, but it can be so frustrating because they can play like this. And they'll turn around and play the Spurs, who, who I think may be the wor- one of the worst teams in the West, maybe the worst team in the West. They'll turn around and play the Spurs, and they won't look anything like that. Like they, I don't know what made them get up for Chicago, but they have they have routinely, I'd say even, you can even say this over the last two years, they have been a team that generally you see them look different based off of who they're playing. Yeah. Right? They like, I mean, when they when they see Giannis come to town, uh oh, look out. Here we go. They see Embiid and Harden come to town. Look out. Something about Phoenix. They get themselves going for the Lakers and LeBron and company. Uh, they they look different. But I've been preaching it, man. We'll see what they look like. Coming up, their next game against the Celtics. They're gonna play they're gonna we're gonna probably see they're probably gonna lose. Oh no, th- this is a rough one tonight. This is this is because they're at a rest disadvantage now. Yeah. They're not gonna back have to Eric back. Gordon for this game. Boston will be rested. Boston will have everybody. So this is one of those games where it's probably not gonna be great. But based but based off I but I I bet you they're I bet you they play it, they're in the game. Oh yeah. I bet you they're in it because they play differently. Now if they were playing the Wizards tonight, I think they may get housed. <laughs> yes. But, a great point. But, but they, when they see Tatum and they see Brown and they see a team that you know that just came off of, of, of winning on Christmas Day and beating Giannis and the Bucks, they see the Celtics, the best, uh, I think the best team in basketball. We're gonna see the good Rockets. We're gonna see Jalen Green start filling himself. I don't know, telling how many shots Kevin Porter is gonna get up tonight. We're gonna see the good Rockets. But we just—that's the next step. Is how can? Steven Silas get this team to be more consistent yep. with this game in and game out. Because that is that is the part that we don't see from this Rockets team. How bad tonight? Um I think they're in it early, and then Boston after halftime pulls away with a big run. I think I, I think this is a I think this is a game that's under 10 points. I think it's a game under 10 points. 
I'm not betting you anything. You, I, I could see your wheels turning. I, I'm, I'm about to go check the line right now. I haven't checked to see what it is. I, I feel like this is. I think they lose. I think it's six, six to okay. six to six to nine. It, points. It's 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 a bad matchup. I mean, no, the, I, the Celtics are just are so so good. They are, but you can they're, catch them. You can you catch can a catch team like that, especially and, after the way they won on on Christmas. Especially the way that we know the Rockets. Big three at three. Number three. All right. Uh, in the division last night, the Colts uh, and this Jeff Saturday uh, thing <laughs> is going crashing down, boy. Uh, he is 0-5 after beating uh, Josh McDaniels and the Oak, and the uh, L.A. Raiders. I'm so mad about the that. The Las Vegas Raiders. Excuse me. He is uh, he is he is uh, 0-5 since then. Um, With some spectacular losses. Oh, yes. Yeah, some great ones. Yeah. The Minnesota one is probably the All-timer. best. All-timer. Yeah. Uh, and, and this game, they were never, ever in it. Uh, ever at all, and, and and the Chargers didn't play their best. They were never in it, but uh, they lose now. There's a couple of things. We'll start with the Chargers here. The Chargers now clinch a playoff spot uh, for the first time in 2018, and this is this is to me right now with the whole deal of passing on quarterbacks and stuff right now for the Texans. Now that we know that that Justin Herbert is in the playoffs. Start looking around at these quarterbacks that are in the AFC playoffs coming up that we know because Trevor isn't 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 in as of yet or Tannehill who I think can come back but there's Mahomes there's Allen there's Burrow Lamar which if he gets healthy and now Justin Herbert and then we're looking at probably Trevor Lawrence the way that it is going right now although the Texans could could throw a wrench into that and. And probably Tua. Uh, at, at that point, we'll see what happens with the Dolphins. But I mean, those those quarterbacks that are going to be in the AFC playoffs. This is what this thing's going to look like years moving forward. Not to mention that Cats playing in Cleveland as well. We'll see. This is what this thing is about to look like moving forward, and it's why you got to have the quarterback that situation together uh, because uh, I mean, this is just going to be tough with all the guys in this conference. Take Lawrence and Burrow out of the equation. What do all the other quarterbacks have in common? Oh, hell, I don't know. I, I, you got me stuck. They were not taken with the first pick in the draft. Yeah, they weren't. So that's why when we talked about earlier, I don't think you necessarily need to take a quarterback at one. No, you don't. You can you can go back. You can trade back and maybe get a guy there. That's why I would keep my options open. Maybe, but uh, I, I yeah I don't, I don't see the. I don't see this being the draft that Patrick Mahomes and, and Deshaun Watson are lurking in the back. But you uh, wouldn't have said that in 2017 either. No, I, no. I, covering that draft, I, 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 those two were the top two quarterbacks to be. I never believed in Mitchell Trubisky. Never, ever. Um, but I, I just don't think this that's the situation. Like Anthony Richardson, I think some people are high on. I, I don't know if I'm willing to take that that chance. Uh, but, uh, but. But to me, I, I get what you're saying. I agree with that. You don't have to, but in this case, when the cat is there, like I, I think you you do. I think you do take him. So I I would just like just like saying the Bengals could have said, yeah, you know, we don't have to have Burrow. We could move back and, and drop back. Get Herbert <laughs> to, to Tua. <laughs> we could drop back to Tua. Or, yeah, yeah. But but they got their guy. Yeah. Right. And, and and if your guy's there, I don't think you you play with. Him. But the Colts. You think the the crazy thing is. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that Jim Irsay would bring back Jeff Saturday. I don't 
think it is either. I don't, like, that's the crazy I, there part. Are, there are a million possibilities that I would not know. rule out with Jim Irsay. It could be Peyton Manning next year. It could be. He could talk him into it. It could be. I, I don't think, boy, I mean, I mean, they were looking good after that Raiders win. I had I the Raiders mean, that day. I was not oh, happy that day. Look, they were looking good after that Raiders. But th- it shows you, too, how far that franchise has fallen because I think it's a few years ago, even after Andrew Luck retired, that you would have said that's the best job to have in the AFC South. And it's just completely fallen off a cliff. And there's that, that, there's, just, there's no talent there either. That, you know what I'm saying? That's that's what Brett Ballard was touted so so highly about the roster. that they, but they're, All they need is a quarterback. All they need is a quarterback. Well, much like Denver, you know, maybe those rosters weren't as good as as teams. Look thought at the receivers they're throwing to. Yeah, what happened there? I mean, they lost. I mean, they lost T.Y. Hilton. Now it is just going to hell in a hand. Pitt, Pittman's fine, but that's yeah, it. Good, but that, There's that's no tight end. The running back now without that without Jonathan Taylor line was so good. Like they, I mean, they they got they'd have made Andrew Luck retire too. This it, it's a uh, that's a bad job right now. That's not a job I'm looking to take if it's open. They might be forced into keeping Jeff Saturday we'll for see. that reason. Uh, Jim's gonna make it. Jim's gonna make a call, baby, and it might be Jeff. All right, coming up. Remember, in the four o'clock hour, your chance to win a pair of tickets uh, to go and 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 see uh, the Texans play the Jags front row in the bullpen. So stay tuned for that in the four o'clock hour. Coming up, there was a there was something where I feel like the Astros are getting dis- disrespected in a major way. I want to talk to Baseball Spo about that and. Not just the Astros. I think there is a certain player that many of you are disrespecting and I think needs to stop. That's coming up next. Sports Radio 610 presents Clint Sterner and the show. Adam Spolane in the building. Shout out, Jake. Man, let me hear your voice, man. You got to get on here, man. You got you to gotta say a little something, Jake. Jake is a, Jake's in the building, man. I am here. Oh God, he does. Jake does have those those Nighthawk tunes, man. What is up with him and Chris? All of our all of our our, our producers who do a great job that 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 uh, that kind of help out and fill in and do great work. All just go down in sexy voice. So how, compare it to Tyler. <laughs> Tyler, man, please uh, please do. Uh, Tyler's Tyler ain't sexy voice. Tyler ain't. Yeah, hello, he tries to. Yeah, he That's does. Just, that ain't. I his give him credit for I mean, trying. He does, he does other things. The sexy voice. That ain't. That ain't him. Like you get you get you get Jake and Chris hop on. Yo, you gotta gotta have that nice man. soft. I don't know what it tone. is, man. I'm telling you, that's why we gotta flip these lights on in here, Spo. They <laughs> got mood setters in here. All right, all right, Spo. I was I, I I've been looking at this, and, and you're a great person to, to speak to about this. I don't really listen. I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front neck like I watch all of Major League Baseball like I watch other sports. And I watch I watch the teams that I care about. But I don't I'm not gonna sit there and act like I watch the Pirates. Hell I'm not even gonna sit there and act like I watch the Rays, a team that, that that's in the postseason. So I'm not gonna sit there and do that. But I look at this, they ran through the top ten pitching duos. And the way I take that is is your one two punches. Yeah. Right? And I'll go through a couple of them. One, I'm good with. I'm good with. Yeah, I'm good with Max Scherzer and and, and the reigning defending American League Cy Young Award winner with one of the better years we've seen in a while, Justin Verlander. I'm good with those two. I get that one, too. The second one, I know a lot of y'all don't want to hear this, but I'm cool with it, too. Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon, 
that 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 that's a heck of a one-two punch, righty lefty that they're bringing to the table there. Those are the top two. Then the Rays have Glass now if he's in if he's healthy. Tyler Glass now and and Shane McClanahan who. Uh, Dusty didn't know. Dusty said he never saw him pitch before the All Star game. <laughs> he had in a playoff game. Uh, he had watched him pitch before, uh, and then uh, a couple of other ones that I don't like. The one that really gets me, I, I, I'm good on the U Darvish and Blake Snell. They have them at eight, and finally at ten, they have Framber Valdez and Christian Javier as the tenth ranked duos coming into this season. Listen. I'll just say this. As I said, I ain't going to act like I watch all these other teams like that. All I'm comfortable in saying is by the end of the year, I don't think the Astros' one-two punch will be 10. I think the Astros' one-two punch by the end of the year, for me, I feel like a lot of this is a deal of people not seeing some of these guys enough, in particular on this list, Christian Javier. But I have great confidence by the end of the year that – the Astros one-two punch will be higher. You don't. You, 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 well, I'm, you, I'm not saying you're, I, not, you're not there. No, I'm. I'm gonna. The the reason why they are tenth and not maybe fifth or sixth. There's one number that stands out, and that number is five point three. That's the average number of innings that Christian Javier throws each start. And if you want to be higher on that one-two punch list, you need to get to six. And so that's really his big thing for this next season is to be able to go six innings every start, to be able to get into the seventh, get into the eighth, because that's Framber Valdez is great at that. Framber Valdez, Valdez threw 200 innings last year. He's he's going. I mean, he he had the whatever, 26 consecutive quality starts for Christian Javier to take that next step. And remember, he's now replacing essentially Justin Verlander, who was doing that every single time out. You've got to be able to go more than five innings to start, because if you don't, now you're putting a lot of stress on your bullpen, and you look at what the Astros did last year. They had an elite bullpen. It was elite, but they needed 35 fewer innings from their bullpen than anyone else in baseball, and as we got into the postseason, that bullpen stayed elite because they did a very good job of keeping the bullpen fresh throughout the 162-game regular season, and a lot of that had to do with starting pitchers going deep into games. Yeah, that, that's fair um, that, that Christian Javier... It needs to go deeper into games, but I, I can, for me, I'm willing to project that we're going to see that that he does that. When we know this year, Christian Javier is going to know he is in the rotation. There is no messing with him. There is no. He is going to be established as a top three starter on this team. He knows that, and I and I think what we are seeing is going to be the natural next step, like we've seen from other guys that have gotten gone through this like Framber Valdez, taking that next step. And I think he's got a lot of confidence, and I don't think there's nothing about his motion or anything that makes me feel that he's not going to be able to to do that and, and that, that he tires out, that he's not going to be. Because we've seen him, not consistently to the point you're talking about, but we've seen him go deep into games. And I think an average of six innings plus for him is definitely something that's attainable. So he made 25 starts last season in the regular season, 25 starts in the regular season. He went six innings or more 11 times and only twice did he pitch into the seventh. And it's not necessarily about him getting tired. It's more of, can you be efficient with your pitches? Can you not be at 50 pitches through three? Innings? He's striking so many guys out. And that's the big thing is that you've got to be able to get guys out within 
that those one pitch outs are a pitcher's best friend when you can make that happen and you can get yourself a quick inning that way. So this, nobody questions the stuff. No one questions the ability. It's just if you're going to be a frontline starting pitcher, you have to be able to go deep into games. That's the big thing, and that's his next step. I, I agree with that. But I, I, I want to get to a piece here because when I read this, I saw that. And I'm like, boy, 10, that feels low. But what I really wanted to jump into this and I'd like to get some thoughts from people on the trailer wheel and frame text line because I, I'm talking to some of y'all. Is within this list is how we know Lance McCullers ain't gonna be on this. Are we so certain that it is going to be Christian Javier? I think I'm, I'm pretty certain Framber is the ace of this staff going into next he starts year. game one. But how we know Lance ain't there? Because see, I think a lot of you all have just kind of given your Get, I don't want to say giving up on Lance, but you look at Lance completely differently now than you did before based off to me one start, maybe two. He was in a tough, shaky start in the AL, in the ALCS against the Yankees, and then he had that bad start in which nobody else wanted him to ever see the field. No, if there's not, if there's a game seven, I don't want to see Lance. No, I don't want to see Lance. Well, hold on, hold on. No, no. I think a lot of Astros fans – have allowed that one start to make you feel completely differently about Lance McCullers. And for me, I'm not counting out, and I'm a, I'm a Christian Javier guy. I am not counting out that Lance McCullers is not going to be in the top two of that rotation. Because Lance McCullers, when he pitched before the injury, was the ace of the staff. I think there's a true argument with what Verlander was coming off of. If he weren't hurt, in that in that uh, divisional series against the White Sox, that he would have been the opening day starter. He's a guy that goes deep into games. He's a guy that I think the Astros are back to back champions if he is able to pitch in the in the run in, in terms of one where they lost to the Braves. I'm not so quick to give up on Lance McCullers and believe that Lance McCullers isn't going to return to the guy that we remember who was the ace when he was last fully healthy. Yeah, I agree with you. And you saw this when he did pitch last year. He wasn't at his best. And remember, he he was basically trying to to get ready Ramp on the up, fly. Yeah. yeah, he's ramping up. And his start against the Mariners in the division series. Did we forget about that. He we was, always he was dominant that day. We forget about that. And he just came out. I thought I thought he could have gone longer. But we forget about that start. Like I I, I just I, I just feel like is it just me? Because you were I feel like people have wrote off Lance McCullers. Well, they did the same thing to the Verlander. Only people only remember game one against the Phillies. They don't remember game one against the Yankees, how good he was in that in that start where he struck out 11 to start off that series. So people tend to have short memories and they have selective memory and they only remember the one start that you want to remember. But McCullers was the, McCullers finished, I think it was seventh in Cy Young voting in 2021. Yes. And that's, again, coming off of Tommy John surgery and still trying to figure things out. He's a completely different pitcher today than he was a few years ago. And he is a guy who raises your ceiling. That's why when people suggested, well, when he comes back, he'll pitch out of the bullpen. No, he's not pitching out of the bullpen. No. He's not. a starting pitcher because he raises your ceiling, and that's exactly— big-time stuff. Yes. And he can get righties out. He can get lefties out. He does it. He does it different than a lot of pitchers do it. He has one set of pitches for lefties. He has one set of pitches for righties. But man, when he's on and when he's right, he is very, very I just, good. I, I felt. I just felt like that was like one game just kind of swung this from the text line. Show you're wrong. Lance is fine. He's going to win 16 games if healthy. What the hell did you listen to me just say? <laughs> 
Did you just you just rolled in here and wanted to disagree with your boy? <laughs> the hell did you listen to me just say? All right, coming up, our Texas insider, Brooks Cabina. You may know him as Bruce. Uh, he's got a fresh haircut, lady, so look out. Uh, he is going to join us next. Get his thoughts on J.J. Watt and the Texans. They got a second win, baby. They got a second win. Brooks Cabina coming up next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. All right, no foreplay today during the break uh, as we're waiting to come on. Brooks Cabina is in the business of trying to ruin my holidays. I've had my mom was here, my in laws were here. We had a great time. They got out on the Southwest flight somehow. They were one of the ones that wasn't canceled. And you're trying to ruin my holidays. Hey, man. You, no, you no, call hey, me man, the Grinch? Me Shut up, Bruce. I got my my heart is eight sizes too small. This is, is Brooks. Thing? This is Brooks Cabina, our Texas insider. Adam Spolane here for Clint. This woman did. Th- th- let me bring you into the break. Yeah, we're talking about. And I said, if they win this, if they if they lose and the Bears win, they sew this up, right? Or if they if they win Sunday, they or they lose Sunday, excuse me, they sew up the number one pick, and I forget about that stupid tie. That they had that the half semi-win. game, which they should have lost. Game, the half game, they punted. Uh, yes, that half game that that holds them back. So that's not the case. And I'm like, oh god. And and he goes, why does it matter? Why does it matter? And this, when I say he goes, it's Brooks Cabina. Why does it matter? I'm not sure if the Texans are taking a quarterback anyway. Stop. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said that the team that would then take the place, the Bears. Wouldn't be taking a quarterback. Oh, you meant the Bears. Okay, all right. No, I thought you were getting no. the Texans. See, now you're okay. All right, you now go. I heard it right. Okay, okay. now so you're, you're doing so, better. So you're not ruling out the Texans. Of course you not. You the Texans are going to take a quarterback. Of course not. Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, I, I okay. mean, at this point, well, here's what's interesting, and I'll okay. I'll make you feel. That made me. Really, I'll, I'll make you feel bad. Made, okay, I'm glad. I'll, I I'll play the devil's advocate here. How about no, this? No, no, I don't want you to do this. I will. You don't have to because Davis Mills is making another second half season complication. You coming over here? Hey, look. Hey, look. You're gonna go find. <laughs> He's gonna jump out hey, the building. <laughs> I'm afraid you 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 look you're looking better. You're looking you you're looking like you've been Davis working Mills out. Here? I don't I, I need to be I running have. out of Are this you building. Go Davis Mills here. Look. All right. So in his first series of starts, no one had a worse. Like you got to look at some of the analytic stats. I know how much you love that. You know what EPA is. We want to go into a deep dive on that. I don't. Okay. Well, it's an expected points ad. It's kind of like you know how much does your personal play affect how you're able to score. No one was worse than Davis Mills in his first series of starts. He's in the top 10 now in the past three games, which could make that a little bit interesting. But, no, I think if you have the number one overall pick, you got to make that move. I mean, you were just talking about this earlier. I was hearing about Trevor Lawrence, other things like that. If you're going to make a push to go into the playoffs, all the teams that are in it, you have a chance to go and grab one here, and you got to do it. Especially whenever you're thinking about the pairing of coaching staffs versus their quarterbacks and things like that. I mean, you got to look at the other pieces of this, too. Um, I think it's interesting how well the edge rushers are playing for the Texans right now. I mean, Obo Okoronko is playing lights out. So if you got him going, Jerry Hughes, who's under contract, he's been doing pretty well over the season. If you have confidence in Jonathan Grenard to give you depth, do you really need to go for an outside edge guy in Will Anderson? I mean, he could give you a lot of boost on the no. defensive line, but that helps you out in your argument to say, all right, even more so, go quarterback. So... 
I don't know. You want me to? You want me to make you feel any worse? No, you've made I can me find, I can I'm find some I just, okay. I'm glad I've just misheard you. But, but here's the complication, though. Let's talk about the Bears. I mean, you know, you got Justin Fields. Yeah, they're not. They're not up and down. But I thought you. Were, I thought you were talking. No. About the text. Yeah, no. but but oh. if the Bears oh. wind up getting the number one pick, well, they're going to trade out of it. And so now someone jumps in, and maybe they want Bryce Young. Yeah. So now, if you're the Texans and you're sitting there at two, how do you feel about C.J. Stroud? How do you feel about your guy Will Levis? I know how much you like him. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't love those. I don't love those alternatives. So I'm would a, would you? So it's Bryce Young or bust for you? No, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I just think those guys. You really have to be, really have to be good at who you bring in to work with them. I mean, those those guys to me. I, listen, I think you got to have the right guy to bring in with Bryce. But I think with those two guys, if you're going to go in that direction, I think it's, it's I think it's very apparent or important, excuse me, that you bring in the right person that can work with those dudes. And and yeah, and I I don't know. And I think that's 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 been hard for the Texans sure. to do. No, I agree. So here's this hypothetical for you. You're Nick Casario, and you're sitting there with the number two pick. Do you call up Ryan Poles and you say, hey, I'll give you two, and I'll give you 33 for one? Would you do that? Casario's not going to trade up. Why would he do that with the assets that he has and all the other needs he needs? Because if he, if they want that quarterback, no, if, they, man. if they think there's no Bryce way Young they do the that, he'll never think about all the man. positions on this team that they need to. Oh, fill. they need a million of them. I mean, there's but other the analytics you want to get into that. that got to sure, but I mean, you, there are a lot more that they need. They're not going to be in like they didn't trade Deshaun Watson for all those picks to start getting rid of them just for one quarterback. I mean, I don't think that happens. And he seems to be a very built, very much in the acquiring phase, and still in that. And this team still seems like it's two years out from being remotely competitive. And you don't start doing that just to get trade up and get I, Bryce Young I would from number two. Say, I would say, I would say that they don't. And I may be wrong. I would say they don't feel about Bryce Young the way that I do, and the way that I think many people around the city do. Why I, not? I don't like. I don't like. For me, I would do that. Like, well, let's I would, look at, let's I look would at, do that. But I don't. I don't think that they feel like this is a quarterback that that we gotta have. I don't know. I think if you look at, um, they're not trading up. They're not trading up though. That's a you gotta have. You uh, don't think they're trading up, do you? No, I don't think they yeah. trade up. Well, but I don't think they need to. I don't think the Bears, even in that position, I think they probably go and take the best guy available for them. You don't think they move down and someone offers them? You don't think if. So who's going to offer him? Let's say Seattle's not sold on Geno Smith. The Lions have they're, a and they're of- sitting there, and Seattle's sitting there, possibly getting the number three pick in the draft from Denver. What if they offer three and their own first rounder for one? Or the Lions, who have multiple first round picks with the Stafford trade. Well, it sounds like you're not very invested in them winning the AFC South at this point. Well, they can't win the damn <laughs> AFC South. Are you on that? What, you know, can we segue to that? What is that? <laughs> what is that? Like someone said to me earlier, I'm making too big of a deal of it. No. What are we doing here? Well, look, how do you how do you stand in that press conference? They would have been mad at me because I, I wouldn't look, have been able to control my face. You got it. All right. So here's here's the main thing. There are if you two don't know games what we're talking about. There, by the way, Lovey said, "Hey, hey, this is big for us. This mm-hmm. is big. We can win. We can win. We can go three one and one in our division, and we could be 
Division, I don't think he said division champs, but we could be above 500 in division, have the best record in the division. That's a big uh, deal. They're going to hang a banner for is that. Is what he said. That's a big deal. And you pointed out to me that they had a, a winning record last year. So they they went into weeks week week 18. I forgot about that. They went into think... week 18 against Tennessee. They were 3 and 2 in the division. I, and you were there. Did David Culley ever mention, "Hey, we have a chance to be over 500 in the he division?" He mentioned this it year. briefly in the I think at the beginning of the season how like it's valuable to win the games in your division. But I mean, look, we're two it, games it is if you're trying We're to two games away from talking else. about things that matter for this team actually. And draft picks are part of that. I mean, look, when Levy, Levy Smith got the job here, I th- I think in this position it was really guiding a team that wasn't supposed to be good and giving it reasonable goals for them to achieve. And this is just one. And it's a bunch of grown adults, too, that I think know better, too. And you're like, okay, well, maybe I can feel good about a win. And, eh, you know what, we beat some teams in our division. Goody. So, I mean. Like, I think I think you can feel good about a win. But this deal of, hey, Another Guys, positive. This man. is what this is what we got a chance to do, all right? We got a chance to have the best record in the. No, division. it doesn't. It doesn't. That's matter. not. That's not Jerry Hughes. That's not matter. registering to him. No, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Um, but you know, it's 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 now into the point after this season's over. This is when Nick Casario's rebuild really starts to take off, Third. and. I was taking a look at some of this going forward, just in the sense of looking at the AFC South, like, all right, what position are the Texans in? Because a seven eight seven and eight team is now in position to possibly win the division. So, I mean, it, this is wide open. Like, you don't even have to be really good to win the AFC South. So, just to be remotely better and be moderately good, like the Texans could be in the postseason sooner than you think. They don't have to be twelve and five to get in at this point. So, I mean, in the off season. The uh, I think one of the most interesting things beyond who they pick a number one overall if they do secure it, and I think that still is a quarterback. You look at the offense; they've got Damian Pierce, but this wide receiver group really needs help. One of the things that's sticking out to me, and I'm going to be writing about this later today, the, it's going to be harder for the Texans to get better at wide receiver because if you look at the free agency class that's coming out in 2023, it's it's not elite. I mean, you're talking like headlined by guys like Juju. Smith Schuster and McCool DJ Hart, Chark. Man. I mean, this is these aren't guys that like think about the Jaguars last year when they uh, you know paid basically a hundred million for Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Like, there's not going to be a situation like this this year. So it's almost. And I was talking to somebody else about this. Is like, are they going to be in a position where they have to make amends with Brandon Cook somehow just oh, to keep stop. him back? No, he can't. No, I mean, that can't happen. Yeah, that it could help them for the pool being that low to maybe even get a higher pick if you're trying to trade. I still don't see it being anything more than maybe a mid-round pick for that. But, you know, Casero's got a long history of trading up with those kind of picks. And I just think that it's probably going to be a scenario where they're going to have to build out the wide receiver class in the draft. And, and when you say would, that, it, when you say that, it feels like one of those first-round picks. Yeah. Has to so, be like, if you're going to go receiver in the first round because of the needs around in the free agency – that all the more means you use that first pick on a quarterback. Absolutely. Because there's all I've I've heard the conversation about, all right, use the first round pick at best available, say it's Will Anderson and say it's anybody else. And then use that second pick to trade around or maybe take the quarterback that's available at ten, eleven, wherever that is. Well, I if you do that, then what's your wide receiver group gonna look like? Um later in the mid rounds, I mean you look at the draft class for wide receiver, I think it's gonna be another year where your top of the line guys like last year I think the Texans really did trade back because those three guys that were taken back to back to back 
all of a sudden there was nobody left for them, and then they start moving back and get Kenyon Green. They don't want to be in a position like that again this year. And, you know, there are guys like Kayshawn Booty out of LSU, guys that could be in that top 15 range. They need all the help they can get on offense. And the defensive line started to look much better. I still think they need help on the interior. But, I mean, those are the kind of things that I'm looking at here. And that wide receiver acquisition phase in the offseason is actually going to be one of the more interesting things. Is it going to be a thing where the Texans start have to trade around to acquire better assets? Or are they going to have to really be creative in the draft? Because, like I said, maybe, maybe there really isn't a situation where you can go and spend the wealth of money that you have on an available free agent. I don't know if they get progressively better just by doing that alone. Yeah, I, I, and you would think maybe the best way is to trade, as we saw a lot of receivers get traded last Brown year. type trades. But I don't like think, well, who the hell's trading? Who's who's coming to get here? Right, because those guys right. signed, signed. I mean, it, 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 you know, A.J. Brown signed off to go to Philly. Tyreek Hill signed off to go to Miami. Now he was going to go And to those the are Jets, all places with but, established quarterbacks, which then yes. also, again, necessitates your move to go get your quarterback now. Yeah. Because if, if, if you're going to sacrifice it for money. something else... They'll have the money. Then what are, what are you supplying? You're supplying Davis Mills for another year or whatever else. So, if like, you know, I think earlier in this year we were talking about how the Dolphins were an interesting case study where you can give Tua Tyreek Hill and watch it take off with Jalen Waddle too. Yeah. I mean, he looked pretty bad on Sunday or uh, Sunday too. So there's some questions up on that now. We'll see how they do in the playoffs. But there really isn't that kind of scenario for the Texans in terms of free agency. They'd have to start using those trade picks to go and acquire somebody to build around whoever they get. But, I mean, this is this is kind of the time where you go get your quarterback. So Yeah, that was interesting. It, I remember the Bears in a similar situation. They went trade it for uh, Chase Claypool. This year right. to try to bring, a second round pick, yeah, gave him a second round pick to try to because they were seeing similar things that you just spoke about the uh, the the free agency class at receiver and tried to maybe you know still a young guy that way in a trade piece that way. I just, I mean, they're just this the the Texans have to get themselves together to be oh, attractive yeah. enough for somebody to even want to sign off to come. Well, yeah, well the Jaguars paid that um, yeah. competitive tax. I'll say. The competitive tax. Uh, there's another worse way of saying that, but um, I mean they paid close to a billion dollars to try and bring in all the guys that they had last year, and I think the Texans would probably be in a position where they'd have to do that too. But I mean, again, this also goes to who's going to be coaching. Is it going to be Lovey Smith? Is it going to be terms of? I think the biggest thing around this is that the offense has been so bad that how are they going to get this better? Is it going to require a head coach type? who is going to be the offensive-minded person, or can they find that at a offensive coordinator level? Because you look at some of the head coaching people, if you're going to go after, we talked about this on the show before, if you go get D'Amico Ryans, kind of the same thing. You've got to find an offensive guy. Does that dictate who you draft number one overall at that point? So I do think it's also interesting that um, I think Nick Casero is probably going to, if, if he does start going into a third head coaching search, there's probably a lot of, consideration from any candidate to wonder how involved he's going to be going forward. I mean, with Cully, kind of necessitated it. I mean, there's head coach who had never been a head coach before, and we saw a lot of the on-field and blunders that he made, and I think there was a lot made of whether Casario's on the headset or not. Yeah. I think this year cleared a lot of those questions a bit because Lovey Smith's been pretty much making all these decisions on his own. It shows that like Casario can allow a coach to be autonomous in certain situations, and 
now that Jack Easterby's out of the building, I've talked to some people about how that's cleared up some questions. So um, this could be a really interesting offseason in terms of all the acquisition, all this stuff. So all the two years of him finding core players who are going to be part of the competitive factor moving forward, that's about to come to an end. And really, that's all that matters in the next couple of games. One word answer. You surprised if Lovey Smith is back? Yes. All right, that is uh, our guy, our Texans insider, Brooks Cabina, joining us. We'll talk to him next week. Coming up, Clint Sterner's football at four. The big story of the day, J.J. Watt retires. I'm gonna, I want to get a little, a little, uh, little discussion. J.J. Watt in his absolute prime or Aaron Donald in his absolute prime? We'll discuss that next.